Chapter Twenty One of *The Cave in the Mountain* by Edward Ellis. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Twenty One: Safety and Sleep. There was nothing especially noticeable in the site which the scout had selected for his campfire. His principal object had been secrecy, and he had obtained it beyond all peradventure. The place was more like a cavern than anything else, except that it was open at the top but it was walled in on the four sides, so there was barely room for the three to enter. As the scout explained, he was perfectly familiar with that section of the country, and he lost no time in hunting out the spot. He had his horse with him at the time the Apaches drove Mickey and Fred in among the rocks, and he stayed until pretty certain they could keep the Apaches at bay until dark, when he made his way to a level spot enclosed by rocks. There he kindled a fire, cooked some antelope, and left his mustang to graze and browse nearby while he returned to the assistance of his friends. "'Where did you shoot that uncleope, er, antelope?' asked Mickey. "'I didn't shoot him at all. He's the one you fetched down. You left enough for me, so I didn't run the risk of firing my gun when the varmints were so close by, so I sliced out a hunk or two from the carcass and fetched it along. You haven't got any of it about you?' not enough for you folks no more'n three or four pounds be the powers but you're right that's enough to steer her stomach as me second remarked after swallowing her twenty-third dumpling at the moment the party walked in among the rocks the smouldering embers of the campfire were plainly seen they needed but a little stirring to break forth into flame again so as to light up the interior which was about a dozen feet square with a height of a dozen feet more or less when the Irishman signified that something in the way of food would be acceptable, the scout produced it from among the leaves near at hand, and it was devoured with the heartiest kind of appetite. They had drunk all the water they needed, and the three assumed easy lounging attitudes, Mickey lighting his pipe and enjoying himself immensely. "'This is what I call comfortable,' he remarked. As me friend Patsy McFadden observed when the row began at the fair and the whacks came from every quarter, I enjoy it. It's refining. It's soothing. It makes a man glad that he's alive. "'What do you think of it?' asked the scout, turning to Fred, who was reclining upon the heavy Apache blanket with the appearance of one who was upon the verge of sleep. "'I feel very grateful to you,' said he, rousing up and I am more contented than I have been in a long time. But I'm afraid all the time that Lone Wolf or some of his braves might find out where we are. Sut smiled in a pitying way as he replied, Don't you suppose I'm old enough to fix all that? Haven't I learned enough of the patches and their devilments to keep em back? Well, I rather guess I have. As the night remained so warm that no comfort at all was derived from the fire, it was agreed that it should be left to burn out gradually. It had been kindled originally by Sut for the purpose of cooking his meat, and he had renewed it so that his friends might see exactly where they were and at the same time look into each other's faces. "'Let me ax you,' said Mickey, puffing away at his pipe, "'whether when we start for home we're going to take the pass which seems as full of the sparpines as me head is of grand ideas?' "'I can't be certain of that replied Sut thoughtfully. We can strike the prairie by going off here in another course, but it will take a long time, and the road is harder to travel. 
I like the pass a good deal the best, and unless the varmint seem too thick, we'll take it. If we could get a good fair start in the pass, we could keep ahead of them all the way till we struck the open prairie, when it would be elegant to sail away and watch them falling behind, like a snail trying to catch a hare. The scout pointed to the lad, and turning his head, Mickey saw that he was sound asleep. The poor fellow was so wearied and worn out that he could not resist the approach of tired nature's sweet restorer, which carried him off so speedily into the land of dreams. "'I'm glad to observe it,' said the Irishman, "'for the poor chap needs it. He's too young to be in this sort of business, and he couldn't prevent the circumstances, and we must help him out of the scrape as best we can.' "'I'm with you,' responded the scout. "'He's one of the most likely youngsters I've ever met, "'and I'll risk a good deal to fetch him along. "'I'm in hopes that we're pretty well out of the woods, "'though we may have some trouble "'fore we get Claire alone wolfing the rest. "'As soon as we get the critters to raid, "'I suppose we can be off?' "'That's all, and that won't take me long.' I'm used to finding horses that the varmints are fools enough to say are theirs. One day last spring I were over near the staked plain all alone when I got cotched in one of them awful nor'easters, and I never came so near freezing to death in all my life. Them sort of winds go right to the marrow of your bones, and it takes you a week to thaw out. While, sir, while I were trying to start a fire, a couple of Comanches managed to slip up and steal my mustang. I didn't find it out till three or four hours arter, and then I were mad. I couldn't stand no such loss, so I tucked the trail and started off on a deer trot after them. Well, sir, I chased them infernal varmints close on to twenty miles before I run them to earth. Then I found em down into a deep holler where I come nigh tumbling heels overhead right in between em for I knowed who they were. You see, it were a piece of the meanest kind of business on their part, cause they each had a mustang and I hadn't any, and they were leading mine. I laid low for them varmints till night when I mounted my critter and struck off over the country leading their two beasts with me. I expected they'd foller, of course, for the two animals that I captured were such beauties as you don't meet every day, so I kept em on the go pretty steady for two days and nights when I struck into the chaparral, tethered all three horses, tumbled over onto the ground, and put in four hours of straight solid sleep such as makes a new man of a fella. Well, sir, would you believe it? When I woke up and went to mount my house, he wasn't there. Them same three skunks had managed to keep so close on to the trail that afore I woke they slipped up, took all three of the animals, and were miles away when I opened my eyes. Well, you may scolp me if I wasn't mad, and I couldn't help laughing too to think how nice they had come it over me. As the game had begun atween us, I took the trail and followed it for a half a week. You see, them skunks didn't mean that I shouldn't get the best of them again. They rode fast and kept it up as long as their horses could stand it, by which time they had every reason to think they were a hundred miles ahead of me, and so they went in for a good rest, intending when they had got that to keep up their flight until they reached their village up near the headwaters of the Canadian. 
Of course, there wouldn't have been any show for me if I hadn't had a streak of luck. I know that country like a book, and I were pretty certain of the trail them thieves meant to take. So I started to cut across and hit them off. I hadn't gone far when I come upon the camp of a Comanche war party numbering a hundred. I hadn't any trouble in picking out an animal that suited, and then you see I were all right, and for fear I might get off the track, I come back and took up the trail again, and I kept it so hot that when they went into camp, I weren't more than two miles away. I didn't want to come any closer, for if they'd found out I were so near, they wouldn't have given me any kind of a chance at all. I waited till it was dark, and there wasn't a bit of moon that night when I sneaked into camp and got their three animals again and headed for Port Severn. I made up my mind to keep the thing going without giving them the slightest chance to pull up. The weather had toned down so that it was comfortable to travel, and arter I got out of hearing of the camp, I just swung my hat and kicked and laughed to think how cheap them varmints would feel when they'd come to wake up in the morning and find out how nice the white man had got ahead of them. You see, it were just a question as to which of us were the smartest. We weren't going for each other's hair, though we'd done that any other time, but for each other's horses, and I'd stole theirs twice to their stealing mine once, and I still held them, so I had good reason to crow over them. Well, sir, I made up my mind that they weren't going to come any shenanigan over me, and I struck the shortest line for Fort Severn. I rode through that very pass in which you come so near getting caught, and in fact the place where I got the horses weren't ten miles from that big cave. I had plain sailing all the way into the fort, and everything went along well. I had only to ride on my critter, when the others galloped along like so many dogs, you see, I meant business, and I kept a watch for them varmints all the time. When I stopped for food or rest, I made certain they weren't any war in sight, and during the three or four days that followed, I never slept an hour together. I managed to snatch a few minutes' slumber while riding my Mustang on a full gallop, but when I stopped to give the animals time to rest, I kept watch for I felt as though it would break my heart to be outwitted again. I made the best kind of time, and my last camp was within a dozen miles of Fort Severn. I was pretty well used up by that time, and making sure that the varmints weren't anywhere within a day's ride, I put in a good two hours' sleep. Well, I never rightly understood it, added Sut with a sigh, and I'm always ashamed to tell it, but when I went out to mount my Mustang, the whole four were gone, and the moccasin tracks on the ground showed who had tuck em. I can't understand to this day how them varmints kept so close behind me, and how they were ready when the chance come into their way, but they were, and they beat me as fairly as the thing was ever done in this world. Doesn't you try to follow them? No, I thought I might as well give up. I sneaked into the fort and tried to keep the thing from them, but I couldn't tell a straight story, and they found out how it was at last, and I don't suppose I'll ever hear the last of it. A short time afterward, the two laid down and slept. End of chapter 21 Read by Thomas Rose